0: Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. All right, are you ready for the Bible today? All right, Uh, today's message is called Crossing Over Part 2, and I want to open up with Deuteronomy 20, verse 4. It says this, For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. Aren't you thankful that he goes with you to fight for you against your enemies and to give you victory? Let's pray. Victory, I like that. That's a good name. Hmm. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. Thank you for the opportunity to worship God, the opportunity to come and glorify your name and to remind ourselves of how good you are and to worship you and make you our focus today. Lord, you are worthy of our time, of our energy, of our worship, and we just bring you glory and honor today. We love you with all of ourselves, Lord Jesus. Lord, we open up our heart, Lord, to the word of the Lord today. We thank you for Scripture, the authority of Scripture. We invite your Holy Spirit to teach us all things. I pray for the leading and the guidance of your Holy Spirit, God, to share what's in your heart today. I thank you, Lord, and love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week we started this message. Give me one moment. I would like to start my little clock. Did you know that I actually have a little timer that I set because I like to be aware of how long I talk to you. Aren't you? Some of y'all are really thankful for that, right? <laughs> no. Um, I really respect your time and I want to be good about your time, but also preach the message well. Amen. So last week I started this message series called "Crossing Over." And we're talking about, we're going into a new year right now. This is the second Sunday of 2022, can you believe it? And uh, I want to talk to you about a couple key transition points in the Bible and glean lessons from them. These are Old Testament stories, with the first one being Moses leading the people through the Red Sea, and the second one is Joshua leading uh, the people through the Jordan River, and that would happen 40 years later, and Joshua was Moses' predecessor or understudy, or not his predecessor, uh, he came after him, and Joshua came after Moses, let me just make this really simple, I got confu- I confused myself, um, it was 40 years after Moses and led the people through the Jordan River, and both of these transition marked miraculous transitions in the history of Israel, and we're learning from them. And if you want to watch or listen to last week's message, we talked about like all the different imagery and how um, you know Egypt represents something to the believer today, and crossing the Red Sea represents something to the to the believer today. You can check that out um, by watching it on. Facebook, or YouTube. Uh, you can listen to the podcast, and you can connect with all those on the website, victorychristian.church. So last week, uh, one of the things we t- looked at was how the Lord brought the Israelites out of Egypt. They had been in slavery, brought them out. And one of the, this kind of unique little thing it says in there, which was that he took them the long way, and how God took them the long way because he knew what they would face if they went the short way, and they couldn't handle it. I thought, you know, I look at that as thankful, right? God knows what I can handle. And so we talked about that last week. And, you know, after the Israelites were released, Pharaoh thought twice about it and decided that he wanted the Israelites back, right? So he sent his army after him. And that's where we're going to pick up the story this week. The Israelites are pinned up against the Red Sea. And here comes Pharaoh's army, his chariots, after God's people. And in Exodus 14, verse 10, we'll pick it up right there. It says, "...as Pharaoh approached the Israelites, looked up, and there were Egyptians marching after them." Now, I want you to remember in context, these are probably about three million people. They had been enslaved for generations, and the people who have enslaved them have said, okay, you can leave, and they have Moses leading them, right? And then they're on their way. This brand new journey. Can you imagine how brand new that journey is, and like all that they're facing, like where are we going? Well, we really don't know. Like all of this going on, and then an army is after you. Okay, kind of like put yourself in that situation. I'm sure that all of you Christians would be like, like so calm, cool, and collected. You'd be like, God's got this. Um, but it says here, it says that the Egyptians were marching after him. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses. Was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you... By the way, the the Israelites were snarky. If you hadn't picked up on this, they had some tood to them, right? Some attitude to them. So it's not just your family. Um, They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? Why have you done this to us, bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Man, what a faith-filled statement. Mm. Verse 13 says, Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Would you say, "Do do not be afraid? Do not be afraid. I hear that even online and on the podcast. Thank you. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance that the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians will see today that you will never see them again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. You know Moses in this story. Um, this is you know this isn't fable. This is you know history. This this happened. He is the leader who is inspiring God's people to respond well in this life-threatening circumstance. You know he had just spent forty years um, out in the wilderness, if you will, with his father-in-law Jethro. And shepherding, and he had this season from 40 years old to 80 years old where he was out and God was developing him as a person. The previous 40 years, if you remember Moses' history, he grew up in Egypt and under Pharaoh's house because of just these amazing circumstances that God brought together where they were killing all the babies, but Moses' mom puts him in a basket in the river, and Pharaoh's daughter finds him and has his own Moses' own mother raise him under Pharaoh's house. But at the age of 40 years old, Moses leaves Egypt. Uh, I'm not going to go into the entire story, but it's in the book. You can, you can find it in the book. Um, and he spends these 40 years, and God is maturing Moses. And Moses has this burning bush. Y'all ever heard of the burning bush? The burning bush moment where God calls Moses to go back and to lead the Israelites out. So Moses has this very unique life and this unique journey in that he's an Israelite who's brought up in Pharaoh's house, but then spends 40 years being developed out in the wilderness. And it's for such a time as this, to borrow from another scripture, it's for this season of his life to lead God's people. When they cry out and they say, why didn't you just leave us in Egypt? Why didn't you, you know, he has these these words for them to settle them. The people now who've just come out of Egypt and the reason that I'm characterizing and uh, sharing with you the fact that they were slaves in, in Egypt and all of that is that they lived a very immature life spiritually. They knew what it was to suffer but they hadn't really had authority and wisdom and move forward in their own life in the, in the sense of having ownership because they were basically living a life of being told what to do and having no choices in their life. And so they live this life of endurance. And so when they face this, this catastrophe, they don't respond in faith. They, they respond in terror and they respond you know, in fear. And I think all of us can identify with times in our lives where we have responded to situations with fear and with terror, right? Where we just throw up our arms and we're like, we're, they're pointing the finger at God, like, God, what have you done to us? Maybe you're more mature than that, and you've never done that, but I think many of us have. Um, What's interesting is that they had just seen God do so much. In Egypt, when Pharaoh would not let the people go, a plague would come over the nation. And Pharaoh was like, nope, 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 ten times, nope, nope, nope. Finally, after the tenth time, he's like, fine, get out of here. He finally relents. They had seen all of these things happen, these plagues happen, and it was for their own deliverance to get them out of of Egypt. So they've seen the miraculous power of God. I mean, just the fact that they're getting released from Egypt is a miracle, right? You know, we can see miracles and not yet be mature, right? We can see God move and not yet be mature, I'm not saying this uh, to, to be down on the Israelites. I'm not. This is in Scripture for us. It's to teach us that we are all on a journey of maturity. So let's take a moment and let's look at what Moses' guidance was for the people. You know, one of the first things he tells them is don't be afraid. Don't let fear in, in verse 13. You know, fear is debilitating. It'll just stop you from being able to do anything because one of the things that fear does is it will undermine your reason. You ever done anything irrational in the midst of fear? Right? It just it does not make sense. It's because the your emotions have hijacked in a very specific emotion of fear. And a lot of us, you know, we have this flight, fight, or flight thing, right? We either start swinging or we start running. And a lot of time, but you know, Moses in this situation, it's an interesting. He doesn't tell him to swing. And he doesn't tell them to run, he tells them to stand. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. I remember years ago, Elizabeth um, was over in the UK visiting my sister. And I don't remember um, if it was because my sister was having a baby or if it was to celebrate Elizabeth's 40th birthday. Oh, can we scratch that from the record? Um, Anyhow, so she was there and Caleb was quite young at that time. And he, he just started having all this pain in his abdomen and was just in a really bad place. And so to the point where I ended up taking him to the emergency room. So I took him to the emergency room, Elizabeth's in the, in the UK, and by this time, it's starting to get later there. They're five hours ahead. And so, you know, I'm not able to really communicate with her a lot, tell her what's going on. And I'll never forget, I was in the ER, and Caleb turned green. Like... I mean, he he looked green. He was in a lot of pain. And the doctors and nurses, they're trying to figure out what to do. And I just remember the fear that came over me. And all of us parents have had that moment where you wish the pain that they were experiencing, that you could have it instead. And I, I don't know that I've ever felt as powerless in that moment as I felt then, because all my heart could think was the pain that I was feeling, look at him, at him being in pain. And, I, you know, I wish I could say I was this brave, great, amazing man of faith, and I was like, you know, just telling Caleb, God's got this. Of course, I was being comforting to him. But, you know, in my mind, I was panicked. I was really panicked. And, you know, when I reflect back on that moment, um, one of the things that, I, that it became really clear to me is that, Fear will just tackle you and take you out of yourself. Does that make sense? And one of the things that I thought in that moment was I needed I needed a person. Do you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you just need a person. One of the they, they talk about in theology is like the incarnational presence of Jesus, where like, you know, when, when, when JD comes to show up and pray with someone, that, you know, the presence of Jesus is there with them, and, and that they're not just receiving from JD, they're receiving from the Jesus who is in JD kind of thing, and that kind of comfort of the Holy Spirit that comes, of just being physically present, and I realized that at that moment that I needed, I needed somebody with me, or somebody on the phone, or something, because um, there was something that had taken me out of my realm of just being able to just stand in faith. I needed a Moses to just sit, look at me and go, hey, just stand and watch God take care of Caleb. I remember calling Elizabeth in the middle of the night. It was, I think, 2 a.m. her time, and I'm like, all right, and so everybody's okay, but... She's like, why are you calling me at 2 a.m. here? And I told her what was going on. The next morning, we wake up, and Caleb... Uh, um, Caleb looks phenomenally better. And this doctor comes in. They checked us into a room. Doctor comes in and looks at Caleb and uh, looks at the chart. And I could tell that she had looked at it before. And she said, oh. She goes, so Caleb's feeling better, right? I'm like, yeah. She, she had, like, she's coming in the room. He's feeling better, right? Yeah. She goes, okay, it's this, this, and this. He's fine. You guys can go home today. Uh, he's going to be just fine. I'm like, that's it? that's it. And I was like, okay, thank you, Lord, thank you, God. But I I learned something in that moment about what fear can do to you, and how fear can take you out of yourself. And what we see in this story is we see a people where the fear that they're experiencing, they're experiencing is taking them out of reason. Like they're ready to just run back. They're ready to wave the white flag. And what they don't see is that God has an entire history ahead of them on the other side of that Red Sea. He has a future for them on the other side of that Red Sea. He has a history for them as a people. He has a savior that he's going to bring forth. He is so in it with them and has a plan of how to bring them through it. And in that moment, they're responding Fear, but praise God for a Moses who's willing to just look at them and say, Don't be afraid. Somebody to speak those words, Don't be afraid. And I think sometimes in our lives, God's going to call you to be a person who says, Don't be afraid, peace be still. Next thing that he says is, Stand firm. I love that. Just stand firm. Don't run, don't swing. Don't wave the white flag. Don't create man made solutions in your own heart. But in this moment, just stand firm. It reminds me so much of Ephesians chapter 6 in the New Testament, verse 13. It says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, and that day, when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground. Would you say the word stand? Stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and it goes on and lists the full armor of God. It says in those scriptures three times the word stand. You know when scripture says something over and over and over again, it, it like really means it. It always means it, but it's bringing real emphasis to it when it says stand all three times. For some of us who like to have agency and like doing things, sometimes the hardest thing to do is just stand. You know what I'm talking about? You're like, well, let me at least see what Google says. (laughs) Well, let me at least, you know, let me at least, you know, we feel like this need to do something. And it takes faith and maturity sometimes to just stand. But you know what's really cool about those moments when God calls you to stand is God is God, and he does his role. He steps in, and he's so good at being God. And you get to stand and watch him do his thing. Um, Jeremy preached a message on the full armor of God. It, um, it's on our podcast list, if you will. It was before we were uh, videoing. But if you want to listen to it, he, the name of his uh, message was Everyday Carry, and it was back on September 15th, 2019. September 15th, 2019. But he talks about the whole armor of God and standing with that just great message. I encourage you to go And look it up. So after Moses says, don't be afraid, stand. Now, what I like about this is this is, these are things that you can remember when you don't know what to do, right? When you are in those moments, I just don't know what to do. Don't be afraid, stand. And then number three is that God will fight for you. God will fight for you. He's basically telling these millions of people, God's got this, just don't run away, don't start swinging, just let God be God. What's fascinating is I was reading through the scripture in Ephesians 14, or excuse me, Exodus 14, and um, let me take you to verse 19, It's just a few verses ahead of where we are, and this is what it says, it says, Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming in between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Though the night cloud broke, uh, brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side, neither went near the other all night long. Here's the thing. I was like, when I read that, I was like, hold on, hold on, hold on. The angel of the Lord was in front of them and went behind them. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. Like, Hold on, who who knew that the angel of the Lord was in front of them? So I was looking it up in scripture and I was like, hold on, was the angel of the Lord like mentioned before? Did they know the angel of the Lord was there? Guess what, there's no mention prior to Exodus 14, 19 that the angel of the Lord was anywhere in sight. Now it says the angel of the Lord who was in front of them, meaning he was leading them, now is going behind them. And I'm like, I mean, that, that just gets me so excited. I'm like, I didn't even know he was there. <laughs> Moses said to them, the Lord will fight for you. And what they didn't realize is they already had an angel, the angel of the Lord there and present and watching over them. You know, scripture doesn't talk a tremendous amount about angels. It does talk about angels. And I think as believers, we can make the mistake of Overemphasizing angels. And we talk about our angel was there and our angel this and our angel that. And here's the thing, is you need to remember who's ordering angels, yeah. right? It's the Lord of Lords Lord and the King of Kings. And our worship is to Jesus and not angels. If you have an angelic encounter, and I've heard of, of so many over the years of things you're like, I think you probably saw an angel. Like that's, that is awesome. But we never get fixated on the angel encounter. We get fixated on the one who sent the angel. And the reality was, there's a God in heaven who the angel of the Lord was in front of them. They didn't even know it from what I'm seeing in Scripture. Like, there's no mention that the angel of the Lord, it's not like, you know, he had his armor on and a flaming sword. They probably would have put that in the book if they had seen that before. But he was already there. Can I tell you that you're probably more protected than you realize? You're probably safer than you know. Because there's a God in heaven Who's already looking after you and he has resources to look after you it says that Jesus on the cross he could have, he could have called down a legion of angels to come and get him off that cross, yet he relented because he was dying for your sin and for my sin. There is no lack of power and authority in the kingdom of God. The angel of the Lord goes behind them and it's really cool like you, you, the, the pillar of cloud that they were following and leading. Um, it goes in between them and for one side it creates darkness, and for another side it creates light, so they can't see each other. It was like the Lord was buying them some time and keeping them separate. And I'm pretty sure that the Egyptians were like, "Well, we can't see them, but we know we got them pinned up against the Red Sea, so they ain't going anywhere." <laughs> but God, but God, He has got a plan, and He has got a way out for them. So. We've seen the people cry out to God, or people cry out, not to God, and complain. We see Moses settling the people, right? And then Exodus, we're going to jump back to Exodus 14, 15. And I'm just going to read it to you, and it's just amazing. Exodus 14, 15 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? We're going to come back to that. Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so the Israelites can go through the sea on ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them, and I will gain glory through Pharaoh and his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Now, i got to tell you, I was stunned. I'm, every time I read the scripture, I'm surprised all over again. I was stunned when the Lord says to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Aren't we called to pray? To pray without ceasing? I don't know. If Egyptian's army is after me, I'm crying out to the Lord. Right? But there's something really interesting that we can learn from this moment. He says this to Moses. He doesn't say this to the people who are not just crying out, but they're just complaining and full of fear and that kind of thing. He looks at Moses and says, why are you crying out to me? Raise your staff. It's this moment of just stretch out your hand over the sea and divide the water. It's like he's ordering Moses to divide the water. Are you able to divide seas? I'm not able to divide seas. I know God is able to divide seas. And he's telling Moses, stretch out your staff, raise up your hand, and divide the sea. He's ordering Moses to do it. Now, there's this thing that God does in Scripture, and I hope we catch this today, is he raises up disciples. He matures people who can cooperate with him in the miracle. Right? Like when Jesus gets up and he says, peace be still, and he's looking at the disciples saying, why didn't you do that? Like, come on, you guys, just, just tell, the, tell it to calm down. And they're like, what, what do you mean just tell it to calm down? What do you mean just tell the storm to go away? Like, what are you talking about? Because you see, God, he's, he is raising up people to walk in authority with him. It's not because he's powerless. It's because he wants his power to work through his creation, who he created in his own image. God had already given Moses Authority. He had, when he said, How am I going to face Pharaoh? He goes, What's in your hand? He says, Well, it's a staff. He goes, Throw it down. Throws it down and it turns into a snake. He's like, Wait, what? And when Moses is in front of Pharaoh and he throws down his, his uh, stick and it turns into a snake, it eats all the, the false prophet snakes. It's like, Wait, what? He'd given them the sign and he'd given them this authority. And what God was saying to Moses when he said, why are you crying out to me? And then just gives him the order of what to do. is He's he's expecting Moses to be mature. And this is the tension of this story. Is we have a people who are very immature and who are afraid. And we all get that. If we're not super spiritual and acting like we don't understand, right? But then there's this Moses who's just gone through this 40 years of training, if you will, with the Lord. And God's saying, okay, stop crying out to me and say something. It's like, wait, what? He's, he's asking Moses to step up in maturity. And I gotta tell you, as believers, some of us never, and I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to say this against us, I'm sa- I wanna say this to compel us. Some of us never come to the point where God can say, just say to it. Just speak to it. Just agree with the word of the Lord that I'm putting in your heart. Just step up into this thing and I want you to cooperate with me rather than just beg me. I want you to seek my heart and know what I want to do and follow after me and speak after me and see me do a creative miracle. God told Moses the miracle he wanted him to do. It wasn't like Moses is just making stuff up. Well, I think I'll divide the sea. No, he tells him, I want you to do this. Take this staff, raise it, speak to it, and command the sea to split. Now, you know, it takes some faith when God tells you that to actually do it, doesn't it? Can you imagine how, like Moses, he's got all these people around, you know, and they're all looking at his leader. Now he's got to do it, right? Now he's like, I wonder if he went in secret. Right? And he's like, okay, split open. Right? It's like, because I don't want to be embarrassed. (laughs) See, it don't work like that. Because when you do something in faith, you got to do it. You got to, you got to just go out there and go, okay, I'm going to do this thing. I believe God's put this in my heart and I'm going to speak to this thing and I'm going to stretch out my, hat, my, my staff and I'm going to see what God does. I will look like a fool if I need to, but I believe this is what God has told me to do. You see, God is raising us up to be his agents in the earth. And he wants to empower us. We are a people who love miracles. We are people who love miracles. We love miracles because they honor God. We love miracles because we know that they're for today, and we have no question about whether or not miracles are for today. But can I submit to you today that if you want to see some miracles, we as a people have to mature enough to where we're willing to believe and speak and, and, and say to the Lord, God, let's see a miracle. Every time, you know, we've had a couple outbreaks of COVID over these last few months, and in a weird way, I've been thankful that it's been so many at once because it raises something up in me that goes, oh, no. You know what I'm talking about? It's a little different prayers like, oh, so-and-so has COVID. Okay, Lord, bless them. Help them to feel better. But when like a bunch of people get it at the same time, you are like, oh, no. I preached a message uh, called, Not Today, Satan. Um, it was back in September 1st, 2019. We're just giving you all the old podcasts to go back to. It's the same Bible, so it still plays really well. Um, but in that, I, I, I preached on um, Moses and his staff and a few other places with his staff. And I told the story about this, um, this uh, staff that I have right here. Um, I was going through quite a time a couple years ago. It was, it was in uh, the, the spring or the summer, I think, of ni- 2019 things were rolling for the church, and there was a lot of good things happening. People were getting saved, and people were getting baptized, and just got, you could just see God moving. And I just felt, you ever have those moments where you just feel the oppression, just kind of like this resistance come against you, and I could sense it in the realm of the Spirit. I could sense it in my soul, and there was just this kind of weight coming. And you know, when that happens to me, people respond different ways. I, I geared down, And I just start to just kind of like seek the Lord and go, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Okay, God, what are you saying? Okay, God, what, you know, and I just kind of like go into that place. I'm not a reactor. I'm a process and then do kind of person, right? it's just the way God wired me. And I'm processing and I'm praying, I'm praying and I'm just like holding steady, like stand firm, just keep doing what you're supposed to do. Like don't flinch, don't, you know, God's gonna do this. I've seen him break stuff so many times. And uh, I remember one day the Lord gave me, or I got a phone call and uh, somebody in the church said, hey, my dad made you something and I, and I feel like it's probably from the Lord. I want to bring it to you. And it was this staff. They said, I, I probably mean something to you. And I was like, yeah, I know exactly what it means. And, and um, I knew in that moment that what God was saying to me was kind of like that Moses kind of thing. I want you to stand up and I want you to declare the authority of the Lord and push back the things that you were feeling and speak life and blessing and strength and, you know, those kinds of things. It was an authority prayer that God was, was not calling me to quietly kind of just sit and, and pray, which there's nothing wrong with that. But he, was, he wanted me to stand up and declare something and pray something. And, um, and it became a symbol. And it, since that moment and since this gift in my life, there are these moments that I have where I have these staff moments where it's like, no, no, you're not going to pray. You're going to pray. No, no, you're not going to kind of wait on the Lord. You're going to speak what he puts in your heart with authority. And, there, and I feel like the scripture, what it does is it gives you the permission to know that there are those moments in your life. Can I tell you, Like, I don't think like, every prayer is a split-the-sea prayer, right? I think something prophetic rises up in you and the Lord speaks to you and you, you meet him. Because what you don't want to do is you don't want to become like your own sheriff that walks around telling everything what to do right? Traffic on 64, split in Jesus' name. Like, all right, come on now. Like, that's for you. That's not for the kingdom. Well, where I'm going, you know, the Lord has gone before me. Like, Simmer down now. So you can take truths too far, but could I submit to you that as a people, we probably don't take this far enough. But the thing is, is we have to see it in scripture and know that God is maturing us as a people So that in those moments, we're sensitive enough to go, you know what? God's not just asking me to stand. He's asking me to say something. He's asking me to pray something. And there are these moments over my family and over the church and over things where you've had those moments, and I'm just so amazed. And here's the thing. The Holy Spirit will lead you in what to say and what to do. The Holy Spirit will give it to you. But you have to have this in your framework if you're ever going to operate that way. You got to see that in scripture and see what Jesus is doing with his disciples because there are moments where he's just going to want you to get up and be a little bold about what you're praying and what you're saying because he wants to meet you in that place because he's maturing us. You see, in Genesis 1, 28, 26 and 27, when, when, Jesus, when God is creating us, he said, then let, God said, let us make mankind in our image and likeness so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over the livestock. You see, in creation, God took this kind of formless thing and he made it beautiful and he, he brought light and he brought water and land and he brought animals and he brought you know he brought all of these things and he was he's making something uh, into something it's like taking clay and making it into something beautiful Then he brings in the only one who says is made in his image you and I mankind he brings us into creation he says and I brought you into rule over I want you to extend what I am doing in the earth there's this idea this call to not just um, there's this call to have Authority in his kingdom from him and through him, and of course, he is the one who's doing the heavy lifting. God is keenly interested in you and I becoming more mature, and he wants to position us to operate in a place of maturity, and maturity includes operating in authority we get this when it comes to our own households and our homes we know there are times when we have to stand up as parents and just say you know the authority of this home is under the lord and i'm going to speak with the, you know what our, our our construct is for this family and for this household and you know that kind of thing and i don't mean in a domineering kind of way i mean if if there isn't any authority and there's a vacuum something's going to come in right It's not just in our household, it extends in the earth. I love how 1 Peter, I feel like 1 Peter 2 gives us a picture of what that looks like. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. I think if we were to write that scripture, sometimes we would say, we are a saved people and we're going to get through this. But see, God says something about his people. He says, no, 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 no. You are so much more than just getting through this you're a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You are God's special possession. Such value that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's what he was doing with the Israelites. He was calling them out of darkness and into his light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And here's my encouragement to you today. No matter what you face, know this, don't be afraid and stand. And if you need somebody in your ear saying don't be afraid and stand, you've got brothers and sisters who are willing to do that. And you know what? If that's where you are in your journey or that's where you are in this battle, it's okay. We're not looking down on you because we're together a family. Amen? But know this, God's intent is to mature you. His intent is to is to prepare you for what will be the next message about passing through the Jordan. They would pass through the Jordan very different than they would pass through the Red Sea. They passed through the Red Sea, a people who hadn't been matured, but who had been saved and brought out, and God had raised someone up to maturely to lead them through it. But God is raising each and every one of us up in that maturity, amen? Let God mature you. Cooperate with him. He's so patient and so kind. Elizabeth preached a message a long time ago. I don't have the date for this one. God's not mad at you. But he won't relent in his love for you and he won't relent in his desire to mature you. Because he knows it's good for you. He created you for it. Would you stand with me today? I want to pray with you. I appreciate it. I put on my clock and then I preached a little longer so it's a good thing I put on a clock because y'all could be here another 15-20 minutes. I can feel it. I want to pray, and what I want to pray for us today is that we would be a people who would always respond to God and not respond to fear, and that we would allow God to mature us. And maybe in your life right now, there's a place where God is asking you to take a stronger stand or to declare something. He wants you to pray a little differently. Rather than just, God, get me through it, He wants you to pray God's authority over it. And if that's you today, respond to Him. Respond to what he's saying. You're responding to him. You're not trying to be the sheriff in your own town. You are responding to what he is putting in your heart. Father, we love you today. We thank you for this story of the deliverance of your people. We thank you, God, for the transparency of the fear that was in their hearts, God, because we have felt the same fears and we've seen the same challenges in in our own lives. And God, know what it is to respond in fear. But Lord, today we pray, let fear not be a ruler in our lives. Your perfect love, God, it cast out all fear. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for the peace and the presence and the protection that is over our lives. And in those moments that come to arrest us in fear, help us to stand firm. Help us to trust you, Lord God. And, and if we need to reach out, if we need another voice in our life, Lord Jesus, just saying, stand firm and, and be safe in the Lord. God, I just pray, Lord, help us to have that courage. And God, today we say that we give you permission to mature us permission, Lord, to bring us into the realms of authority and operation that you want. Lord, we thank you for the miracles that you do. We thank you, God, for the goodness that you have for us. And today we just say, God, would you, would you uh, help us, Lord Jesus, to know those moments, to just stretch out our staff and to speak after you, Lord God, and watch you do amazing things. God, put it in our library of thinking. Give us courage in those moments to just see you move. God, we thank you. We love you. And we recognize today that you are the hero. You're the one who splits the sea. And Lord, we cooperate with what you're doing. We honor you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church. Have a great day.